Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm so excited that today's guest is here with us today. I've been wanting to meet her for a very long time. She is Robin Burson, the founder and CEO of Parsley Health. Hi. Hello. So nice to finally meet you, too. I am so excited to talk with you. You've, I've been following and watching your brand for a while now, and just watching it grow has been so incredible because you're providing such a valuable resource to so many people, and I'm just really excited to talk with you about it, how you got started, and then also just kind of segue into what it's like right now during this time. So, yeah. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, before Parsley Health, pre-Parsley Health, what were you up to um, before launching the company? Yeah. So thank you again for having me. I'm just like, I've been a big fan for a long time. So I'm thrilled to be on the podcast. Um, and I, you know, I started out just as a, as a regular doctor. Um, I went to med school at Columbia in New York City and did internal medicine training at Mount Sinai Hospital, also in New York City. So I've been in NYC for a long time. Um, but I also kind of got bit by the startup bug along the way. It's actually my second company. Um, and I got really interested in how technology and software could make healthcare better. And that was like one part of my brain. And then the other part of my brain was I was a yogi and I was really interested in meditation and holistic health and wellness. And I saw that that was really missing in medicine. And so I thought, how can we bridge the gap between medicine and wellness? Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of the origins of where Parsley came from. Well, that's exactly what you're doing too. So it's beautiful. What was the company before Parsley then? Oh my gosh, it's something you've ever heard of. It's like, but it still it still exists. But it's like a it's sold into hospital systems and big healthcare providers. It's like a software for helping doctors communicate. So oh, it's not like a consumer business, but um, very different. Um, but I think I was interested in you know helping people solve problems at scale. Like I've always loved seeing patients, and I still see patients on Thursdays at Parsley as one of the Parsley doctors. But I. Um, I guess just like I saw this huge opportunity to bring um, a more root cause resolution approach to health, a more holistic approach to health, um, and a more results oriented approach to health to medicine. Because I saw in like my regular medical training, a lot of like great medicine and, and I had an incredible foundation and training but we were kind of only, in my view, doing part of the medicine. We were using medications, prescription drugs, procedures to kind of manage problems. But in a world where 90% of our healthcare costs are from chronic illness and chronic illness is largely lifestyle driven, it felt like we were missing this really important big opportunity to help reverse these chronic conditions and help people actually get better, not just manage the diabetes or the heart disease or the migraines or the infertility or the you know, PMS or the digestive issue, like whatever the thing was, it just was really like, Hey guys, we can fix a lot of these problems. If yeah. we bring nutrition and mental health and supplements and lifestyle into the bucket, along with the drugs and the procedures. And it, it's still like, it's still this weird thing where I'm like, why doesn't everyone just do that? I know. Because that would be better. <laughs> and so that's what we do at Parsley. 
Um, and you know, it's, it's been a crazy ride in the past couple of years building this company, but that's what we started out doing and that's what we still do today. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how Parsley works and how the program works, because you now have, do you have three locations? We have three locations, um, New York, LA, and San Francisco, but we are even more excitingly, we're in 40 states. So we provide completely online service. Um, and you don't need to see us in person at all. Um, you can in one of our three centers if you like, but, uh, lots of people across the country are now working with us, um, totally online because we can order you a blood test at your local lab. We can prescribe a drug to your local pharmacy and we can guide you to fix your problems and, and to address whatever your health concern is totally like this online. So doing a lot of that. Um, and the, the program, whether you're online or in person is exactly the same. So it's, you sign up, it's an annual membership. It's 150 bucks a month and you work with a doctor and a health coach throughout your membership to address whatever's going on with you. So we start with a really in-depth medical evaluation. So we ask you questions that other doctors, I promise, have never asked you. We want to know what you're eating, how you're moving, um, whether or not you were born C-section, the medications you took as a kid, um, your context today. Are you happy? Does your life have meaning and purpose? What are your relationships like? Because we know that all of that stuff matters to what's going on with your health right now. So we do this in-depth medical evaluation we also do in-depth diagnostic testing as part of that. So we're looking at a lot more markers than a regular doctor. Uh, hormones, toxins, heavy metals, autoimmune things, inflammatory markers, nutrient deficiencies, genetics, like just really getting under the hood and looking at a holistic picture. Mm -hmm. um, and then we take that information, the diagnostic test, the medical evaluation, the lifestyle stuff we've asked about. And then over time, your doctor and your coach work with you on whatever you've got going on. And some people come to us because they've been diagnosed with a chronic illness, like a, a Crohn's disease or depression or polycystic ovarian syndrome, something like that, or they're having trouble getting pregnant. Other people come because they're like, you know, I don't have a diagnosis, but I've got bloating all the time, or I'm anxious all the time, or I've got brain fog, or I... I'm breaking out and no one can figure out why. And I just don't want to be on all these pills. Mm -hmm. um, and then some people come because they're like, you know, I'm really healthy, but I want to get cool testing and deep dive on my health. So it's like really all comers, men and women across the board. And um, we are happy to work with everybody on it. Yeah. But it's such a, such, such, such a smart idea. And I cannot believe no one was doing it. And it's so awesome that you are creating this a way for people to um, to offer preventative medicine, but at such an affordable price. I mean, $150 a month. And I, I pay so much for my insurance. It's crazy. Like, as you know, it's like medical insurance is so expensive and add a, a child on top of that. My child has a um, mitochondrial uh, dysfunction. And so, you know, it's even a little more, but it's wild how for two people, you know, you want top of the line um, insurance, but then you don't even use it every month. You're just, yeah. And it's great to have. And I think everyone should have access to it and everyone should have it should be more affordable. But to, to know that there's a resource like Parsley Health that you can go to and have access to these coaches and people you can talk to on a monthly basis, that's huge. 
Yeah, it's a really different model. I mean, you know, yeah. we most of our members have health insurance and health insurance covers your prescription drugs and if you order a lab test and all of these different things that you need, but you know, you can submit Parsley's fees for out-of-network reimbursement. You can also use FSA and HSA. Um, but what people oftentimes don't realize with the membership is that it includes all your doctor's visits. And our doctor's visits are, the first two are each an hour. Um, the others are 30 minutes. And we don't bill you anything else for those visits. It's all included. Your visits with your doctor, your visits with your health coach. Um, we give you unlimited access between visits um, for questions or refills, or if you're not feeling well, 365 days a year, we're on call. So it's really like a concierge level service mm-hmm. at a much more affordable price. Um, and, you know, without sort of the the games of the way that medicine is, where it's like really obtuse what you're paying for, it's just all very transparent. Yeah. So, okay, you had this idea. It's brilliant. But getting to the point where you are now, that's a huge leap. When did you start the company and how did you also navigate growing it from people coming into the stores or the locations to then um, offering telehealth? You know, like you said, 40 states, that's that's huge. But um, but there are so many laws and rules and regulations around telehealth. So I'm interested in just hearing your journey navigating all this while having a family. <laughs> Yeah. You know, never a dull moment. That's for sure. Uh, throughout all of it, I just like, you know, sometimes I just, I'm like, don't think, just do, just put one foot in front of the other, have the baby, keep breastfeeding, keep going, Yeah, build the company, hire some more people. Um, you know, I think for anyone who's an entrepreneur is creating a company, you, you have to always kind of lean on that, like personal passion for whatever it is you're doing. And, you're going to have ups and downs and resilience is the name of the game. And so I've certainly, you know, experienced that, but it's, I, you know, we started the company officially in 2016. Um, initially I bootstrapped the company as like my medical practice. I was the doctor and the newsletter writer and the marketer and the ops person. I kind of just, I wanted, you know, having been in startups before, I really wanted to see, do I really want to sign up for this? What does it mean to scale something like this? And then I also really wanted to understand every aspect of how it worked to start. So I kind of gave it a shot and it was really successful in that format. And so then in 2016, later in like mid 2016, we actually like formed the company um, and started hiring people other than me uh, and hiring our first doctors, started raising our first round of funding. So our seed round and you know, it's really grown from there. Um, and we opened our first clinics. Originally, they were in WeWork. So we were, oh. in the early days, the only medical service live in WeWork anywhere. That's so smart. It was a great, I mean, they didn't actually allow medical services at the yeah. time. I don't think they do now either. So they, we did this like special partnership with them. Um, and what was interesting, and then in 2019, we opened our two big flagship clinics in New York and LA, which are like these beautiful, high-designed spaces with cafes and event spaces, and they look and feel nothing like a doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. And they've just been this like living embodiment of the brand. And so I love every moment I step foot in either of them. But what was also interesting along the way is that we had always seen and been open to video visits. We'd always said, Hey, you got to come in person for the first visit. 
But after that, any visit can be by a video with your doctor, with your coach. And we are already doing a lot of our care through messaging online in between visits. So it was just kind of baked into the model. And when we looked at our data about a year ago, we saw that 60, almost 60% of our visits were over video. Um, and that we had members in 10, 20 states and 10 countries, I think, something like that. And so then we said, well, why are we making people travel to us for this first visit when even people who are like up the street in New York City are using video? And this is crazy. So let's build out the infrastructure for um, a 50-state telemedicine service because we believed that the world was heading for telemedicine, that we saw that medicine was slowly evolving to do more and more online. Um, And so when we raised our Series B last summer, we, a lot of it was about like, yes, we're going to keep building our beautiful centers and these are amazingly popular, but, and they're beautiful, but like the future is really bringing medicine to where you are. And we're already seeing everyone who uses Parsley use us in this way. So it's kind of a no brainer. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we did a lot of that work last year. And so fast forward, we were sort of ready to announce it. And we, in early February of this year, we were like, okay, we're, we have enough states live. We had 10 states or so, I think at that point live, like are ready to accept members. And we were like, okay, we're going to go. Here's telemedicine. And then COVID happened. Um, and so it's just been this, like, when I think about just everything that's happened in the past, you know, year and a couple months, my brain just wants to explode basically. It's just crazy. Like talk about being in alignment. That's just, it was a perfect timing. Yeah, it was. I just feel like the universe gave us this download last year that like this was the way for for Parsley to grow. And ultimately we're here. You know, we do all the primary care stuff for our local members and even our distance members. But the reason people are coming to Parsley Health is not like so that we can, you know, give you an antibiotic for your sinus infection. The yeah. reason we'll do that, we will do that. But the reason that we're, you're coming to Parsley is to help you heal and to help get greater insight and greater support in your body and in healing. And we can do that just as well in person as online. And it's just amazing, though, with all that's happened, medicine is going to be forever changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of medicine outside of Parsley you know, it had to sort of like do a switch back and kind of catch up with the last 10 years of progress and technology in the rest of the world in a month. And yet that's what you're seeing. And I think on the balance, it's just such a positive thing for the field. Mm-hmm. So building that infrastructure must've been crazy and being able to launch that right when COVID happened. I'm so like, that's really amazing for Parsley. I'm so curious how, what shifted once, you know, coronavirus or COVID-19 was, um, once these stay at home orders happened, did more and more people sign up for Parsley? Were they, you know, I, what I feel and what I notice is more and more people are, um, aware of their own wellness routine and their health and they're getting, you know, really interested in taking care of themselves and their bodies and, I'm just curious how that translates to signing up for a program like Parsley and having that support too. I mean, people are scared. So being able to talk to someone that can give them feedback on how to navigate or how to support their immune system, that's, that's huge. 
Yeah. I mean, the ability to see people online, especially across the country was, like I said, kind of uncanny and we've just seen huge demand for that. And I think we also support people through COVID-19. We've been able to get people testing. We're helping people recover at home. We have a whole internal protocol designed by our 40 plus incredible physicians you who are tell us on top of the latest research. So the best thing about Parsley is that whichever doctor or coach you're seeing, you're still getting this collective brain where we've documented all of our protocols. We're staying on top of the research. We're really committed to high standards of excellence. And so this group of board certified physicians is eternally saying like, how can we do better? How can we do better? And so it's awesome because our team built a whole COVID protocol from monitoring to testing to recovery um, to when do we need to send people to the hospital literally like overnight in March Um, and doing that while managing everything else going on in your health. And I agree with you. I think that this is, it's a collective awakening and so many of us ignore our bodies. We wait till the wheels fall off the wagon. We wait until we're broken and we're seeing how the stronger, healthier people without some of these underlying conditions are faring a lot better. And so um, we can't stop an infectious disease in its tract. And this has been a humbling experience for us on so many levels. But what we can do is improve our own health and not be as at great as um, at at risk, right? Um, In the same way. And so I think that people just people who weren't aware of even the words immunity or underlying condition before now have this awareness. And that's exciting because we're like, we're here to help you with this. Like I went to a lot of years of medical training (laughs) to be good at telling you what to do in this situation. Like you're probably really good at something I need help with, but like, don't go try to figure out this on your own. Yeah. Right. So what is the protocol? And also, was it really difficult for you guys to, um, to offer testing? To yeah. Test? So, I mean, testing is a debacle across mm-hmm. this country. There's no other way mm-hmm. to get it. Um, so what we did is initially when testing wasn't widely available um, and still isn't in certain cases and in certain places, um, I mean, our teams were first of all, helping people stay at home, right? If people had mild symptoms or manageable symptoms, um, we have a protocol of specific supplements and specific um, nutrition. There's no drug for this, right? So it's really supportive care. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are certain supplements that can be helpful to the body in fighting this. And so we were really guiding people through and we have unlimited messaging. So writing back and forth or calling or doing video visits with our patients to one, assess how sick are they? Do they need to go to the ER or can they stay home? Because some people are very, very, very sick and need medical attention. But what's been recommended is that for most people who are just managing it and are strong enough to manage it at home and not need to go to the hospital. So we were helping with that. We were helping people get testing where they needed it. Now, then we went into a period of time where you weren't getting testing unless you were getting admitted to the hospital. So no one was getting tested. Mm-hmm. Um, now you can go to certain places and get testing around um, different cities. Again, it's very dependent on where you are in the country. Uh, and then what we did was we were able to start offering um, antibody testing in California. 
um, through an at-home blood draw. So we send somebody to your house to do your blood draw um, and can get antibody testing. Um, and then what we've done is we we have a lot of, we have that live in California right now, um, not in other places because it's not available everywhere yet. Okay. And what we're California, doing is- we're just, so That's good to know. Yeah. Yes. I, thought, um, I wasn't aware that it wasn't in other places. Yeah. The at-home antibody testing we have in California, we don't have that in other places, um, mainly for logistical reasons, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and as the testing becomes more widely available, uh, I was on the phone with a lab this morning, the CEO of a lab. They have a new version of the test available that they're waiting for authorization on. Rutgers University just had a version of the test, test authorized. So basically what we're able to do as an organization is stay in touch with all of these like certified labs um, and be able to offer testing either at our center or um, at a local quest. We can order you the test as your doctor or get you another form of the test. And I'm just praying that our healthcare system and our government are fix this because widespread testing is critical. Mm-hmm. And, um, why is it that like for logistical reasons, like in New York city, you weren't able to offer that? Is it because we can get you the the regular test to see if you actively have the virus. We're just, and we're able to send you somewhere to get antibody testing. We haven't been able to coordinate at home blood draws for the antibody tests specifically in New York city mainly because of limitations of services that are able to do those at-home draws and who are willing to do it for COVID antibody testing. So it's not that the test isn't there. It's that effectively there's not a lot of services that are able to or willing to do to go to people's houses to do the draws for that purpose. So it's a coordination of care issue. Um, And as you know, New York City is just, and I, you know, LA is going to open sooner than New York, you know, New York is just a complex city to reopen because of its reliance on public transportation. Um, and so I'm just, it's my home and it's my beloved place, but it's going to follow, I think a different path to opening and to getting some of these services more widely available. Um, but we do have centers and places where we'll send you to go get the antibody test if you want it. The thing is, the antibody test isn't like a mission critical test at this point. People, it's not like we all need to have it immediately. I'm hopeful that eventually we'll all be able to have it and we'll be able to have it easily and multiple times. Um, But, you know, we're not, we're balancing right now for our patients. Do we really want you to leave home to get an antibody test just for the mental secure, like knowledge that you were, were not exposed. If you want that, we'll help you. But we're also trying to respect shelter at home, right? Yeah, exactly. And speaking about that, I'm so curious, like, are you, um, you know, you mentioned some people sign up for Parsley because maybe they've been diagnosed with depression and there's so many reasons why people sign up. And I'm curious during this time, has it been um, just as equally about mental health during these times, you know, people are scared. People are stuck at home, maybe not in situations that they want to be in, or, um, it's hard. It's hard to just be at home, especially if you don't have the type of environment you want to be in. So I'm curious, what is that care like? You know, it's really amazing how we are collectively experiencing anxiety, fear, 
sadness, grief, and some people are experiencing personal grief, having lost a loved one. Um, and other people are experiencing what I would call a collective grief because of the sort of overnight upending and adjustment in our way of life. And I can say personally, like my husband's really good at change and it's just like, okay, we're here now. This is what we're doing. And I'm like, but, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not ready for this. And I'm like, um, I kind of drag my feet for a while until then I get there. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm with it. I'm all right. But we all have our individual responses. And then, you know, like you said, not everybody is comfortable in the place they're sheltering at home. Other people are essential workers and are out and are feeling scared for their health risks um, or overworked people in hospitals are, you know, working around the clock. And so everyone, everyone, I don't care who you are, um, is experiencing a mental health challenge right now. And so the first thing that I'll say is that I hope that this ends kind of the blame and shame around mental health and just allows us to collectively as a society admit that like as a human being, these feelings are really normal. Now for some people, they're a clinical disease and they're completely taking over their lives and other, for other people, they're trauma based and for other people, they're contextual and maybe it's just about a right now, but just like speaking up and getting help is really critical. And so um, we are seeing more people signing up for with mental health concerns. And what we do at Parsley is we really identify the organic and physical drivers and causes of depression, anxiety, brain fog, insomnia, fatigue. Um, and sometimes these organic or physical drivers are part of the problem and sometimes they're the whole problem. But I don't know anyone who doesn't ben- benefit from addressing the physical to help the mental and the emotional. So it's everything from figuring out that you have an underlying thyroid problem, which can lead to depression, to specific genetics, where you might feel better and make more serotonin if you have a certain type of B vitamin, to addressing food sensitivities and digestive issues, um, or helping people with inflammation, or helping people with using lifestyle and exercise, because exercise has actually gone head to head and done just as well as a lot of antidepressants on the market. So that doesn't mean that is always enough. And medications can be really important and powerful tools. Therapy can be really important, powerful tools. So we'll, we'll prescribe medications, we'll refer out for those things. Um, everyone's needs are a little different, but taking this whole body personalized approach, we've actually shown that we reduce the need for psychiatric medications by 47%. Wow. That's huge. <laughs> That's huge. That's amazing. That's really incredible that you're able to help people address all these other issues and then, you know, use the medication when they're really necessary and needed and not ne- not say, oh, that's not, no one needs medication. It's just a part of a bigger picture. And- exactly. It's one tool in the tool basket and, and we, it's great. Medications are great, but they're just not the whole picture. Just like yeah. you said. I love what you said, though, about collective anxiety and um, just, you know, paying attention to the fact that we are all connected and what, you know, I'm here in California, but we're here feeling what's going on in New York City. It's more intense there, but obviously the whole world right now is feeling this and is in a similar situation. So it's a really interesting time. And I'm so curious being in New York City, 
how you've seen the different phases of this and how if you feel like anything's shifted during this time in terms of mindset like are people still really afraid or do you think anyone feels a little more empowered or do you think I'm just curious especially with the weather changing when it's sunny outside it helps It helps so much. And, and on, you know, the kicker for New York is that we have had the longest, darkest, coldest, rainiest spring where just days and days of rain and being, we had snow a week ago, like, oh and you know, we had this polar vortex thing that hit the East coast. I mean, and that the weather, you know, seasonal depression is real and sunshine and getting outside really help people, especially when they're mostly inside and mostly in a very confined area. Um, a lot of people are really lonely. They're alone and they're maybe by themselves in an apartment or with one other person. Other people might be sequestering with people they are not comfortable with. So there's just so many issues. I think, I think spring and better weather bring hope for sure for everyone. I think that everyone's kind of waiting with bated breath to see how, you know, certain parts of New York state upstate have been green lighted to open Others are slowly meeting criteria. So I think everyone's kind of waiting with bated breath to see when New York City gets there and understands New York City is probably going to be last. Um, I think we feel grateful to have Cuomo as our governor, who's really just owned this challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't know about you, but governors of states are not people who I generally like have that much mind share for. Yeah, exactly. You never really think about it that much. No, no, I'm going to be honest, not that much. Yeah. President George, Congress, Speaker of the House, local government, mayor of New York City, absolutely. Governors, less so. Yeah. Um, right, rightly or wrongly. Um, maybe that's wrong. But in this situation, um, you know, that, that leadership has been there, which I think for our hardest hit state um, to have the governors of New York and then also New Jersey, um, which is also pretty hard to hit, um, sort of standing up and being so outspoken and clear in their directives, I think is helpful. But I think, you know, what makes New York City is the people and the storefronts and the busyness and the crowds and the restaurants. And um, I think a lot of people are really nervous for what is this going to mean for New York? um, And when will real recovery happen? And what will that look like? I know. I mean, I've heard so many different statistics and it's like 30 to 40% of restaurants are never going to open their doors or there's just so much out there and it's, it's sad. And these are, this is people's livelihood. So how do you, um, yeah. How do you navigate all that? It's yeah. Yeah. The economic fallout from this, you know, there's the public health fallout, there's the economic fallout and they're intertwined. I mean, you know, public pools and school programs for, underprivileged New York city kids will not open this summer, which means that they're hanging out where on the street, stuck in their houses, watching TV, eating junk food. Like what are these kids doing? So my heart is just breaking for them and their parents who are out of work. And I'm just praying for the speedy healing of our society and to get to a place where, you know, a vaccine and a drug are going to be a long way off. So Um, testing, herd immunity, taking precautions, um, these things, and then, um, social distancing in certain places, if, and when there is a resurgence, 
these things are going to be our tools. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be this magic vaccine falls out of the sky in two months, which I think that, uh, That's if it did, I would have some questions about how, what is in that vaccine because the shortest time we've ever developed a vaccine in history is four years. Yeah. So I'm just a little, I'm hopeful that we're able to like other countries have. And I think the hopefulness is that, you know, European countries, Scandinavian countries, certain Middle Eastern countries, so far they're ahead of us in all of this and they are reopening schools. They are reopening. Um, we will see how that goes for them. And we don't, there's a lot of unknowns, but um, I'm, I'm hopeful for that. And I think that, you know, the other thing I know is New York is strong and New Yorkers are strong and it will come back. It'll just be different. Yeah. And I really appreciate you bringing that up about um, vaccines because I think a lot of doctors are speaking out about that, how, um, you know, we should be wary of something that gets fast-tracked like this. And we should make sure that we're not just relying on one magic pill to bring us out of this. And herd immunity, I think, can be a little bit controversial, like natural herd immunity at times, even though it's kind of the same idea that vaccines are based off of essentially, but this is just like a natural way. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think the more people come out and talk about that, um, the more people feel empowered to make this decision for themselves and to see how they're going to navigate this time. And like you said, there are different tools in the toolbox or different precautions that we can take and just how these other countries have gone about it. We can learn from what yeah. they're doing. And, yeah, and to- it's going to take a lot of public health muscle. And we've effectively said, you know, we've, especially in the past few years, we've taken a lot of funding away from our public health institutions, away from the CDC, away from state governments and public health resources and sort of said, oh, we don't need those. Those are like on the chopping block for the good old budget for the year. And, you know, we need, we need people, right? And a lot of people are out of jobs. So I'm hoping we can match those things together and say, we need to really invest in public health, people to do contact tracing, education, um, communication and, and media that helps us have a collectively strong and informed effort. Like these things take money and time and people. And so we have to invest in them And, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm extremely hopeful for a vaccine in time. Um, I just think that, um, sometimes there's folks out there misinforming the public that it's just going to sort of show up in a couple months and solve all our problems. And that's not going to be what happens. And so we are going to collectively have to learn to live with COVID. Yeah. Even with the vaccine. Um, and so, uh, that means that we're going to have to live with it. And there's going to be a lot of different things that we have to do to manage it in our society and to protect the most vulnerable. What do you think about, um, like airports and travel in general? And I just heard about like Mexico, the border between us and Mexico, how, um, right now, if you cross the border, I think into Mexico, they're spraying disinfectant all over you. I'm just so curious <laughs> what is going on. I'm going to help. I haven't heard that one, so I don't know. I will have to look into it. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, this is, that one's beyond my scope. Um, to be honest with you, I think that, 
we'll definitely be wearing masks and taking precautions on planes. And I think, you know, we just have so much to learn still about this virus and its impact. We still are learning about the mechanisms of action with which it causes its symptoms. Um, we're still learning about who is most at risk and we don't know the degree yet to which yet, if you've had it, you're immune. Um, we believe it will be something. It's not going to be zero. Um, but we don't know if it's, are you hundred percent immune? Are you hundred percent immune for three months? And then it kind of trails off. Like, you know, if you think about how a lot of vaccines work, they need boosters every 10 years. Yeah. So, you know, that immunity kind of that ability for your body to, and well, let's just explain what immunity is, right? Immunity means that your body having seen something already can mount a response to it quicker the second time. Mm -hmm. Because the way that your immune system works is that your cells see an invader and say, aha, and they lock into a protein on the outside of that invader. And they say, aha, I recognize this. I'm going to send out my forces to destroy it and or destroy the cells that it's inhabiting. And your immune system actually customizes that response to, to that particular infection. And so you develop immunity, learned immunity, as it's called in your lifetime, when you've been infected with something, that means that the second time your body sees it, it could be a year from now or five years from now or two months from now, your immune system um, already has that perfectly matched uh, kind of army to go out and fight that thing. So it's not that you don't get exposed to it again. You get exposed to it again, but the second time your body's so fast in internally squashing it that it never makes you sick. That's what immunity is. Mm -hmm. And so, and then when that happens, if that happens, herd immunity is when enough people have seen something and enough people are able to squash it very quickly, that illness or that infection has a really hard time finding its way or replicating through a population again, because it never kind of picks up the pace to start spreading. Um, and that's how these infections can die out. And vaccines are, as you mentioned, sort of a a human developed way of reproducing that, um, training your immune system as it were. Um, so we just don't know enough about immunity to this particular virus yet, um, to know long-term how travel will be affected, but we'll see. I did read that like Disney or some, or carnival or one of these big cruise lines, like opened reservations for August and was like full overnight. Oh my gosh. Um, that. So the appetite for getting back on a cruise ship apparently is there, which is amazing to me. Yeah. Good for those people. Fearless, I guess. Yeah. So if that is you, man, all right. Like I, I will not be signing up, but yeah. I, and that doesn't mean I'm not excited to leave my house and live my life and see my family. I haven't seen my parents in months and you know, they're in, they're older. They're in a high risk group. They really miss their grandchildren. So I am as eager as anyone mm -hmm. to get back out there as it were to see um, my city come back. So it's not because I like want that, you know, I think there's also these accusations around that are like, Oh, people just want this to be a big deal and want this to last. And I'm yeah. like, are you crazy? Like no one, no one wants this to yeah. be here. Yeah. It makes sense. It's just crazy. It's great for those people, but true. I mean, um, you know, going back on a cruise ship is a big deal <laughs> right now in August when we don't know much. But to, to your point, um, yeah. to your point, yeah, I mean, some things have lifetime immunity 
and some things don't. We don't know yet. Some things just have a couple years. Something is seasonal, maybe like one strain. So we just don't know. But I think that explanation of what immunity is, is um, just really important for people to understand and how amazing are our bodies that they can do that. So So the most complex machine in history is the human body. And it is so fascinating. And there's so much we don't even understand about it yet, which is why I love medicine. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so grateful for people like you and the work that you're doing and how you're working with people to empower them to understand their bodies. And like you said, we do need more people. We do need more people in public health. But I'm really hopeful that knowing people like you, that we get more and more people that have this holistic approach that come into our public health um, institutions and and kind of change the way we think about things. So thank you so much, Robin, for joining me. It was such an amazing conversation. Thank you for showing us that what a mom of two can do and (laughs) for inspiring me so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for an awesome conversation and more to come. Yeah, more to come. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you're a regular listener of The Fullest Podcast or a reader at thefullest.com, then you probably know I'm really passionate about living a non-toxic lifestyle. And this includes not just what I put in or on my body, it also extends to the products that I use in my home. And traditional home scenting products just mask odors using chemicals and synthetic fragrances which can be super harmful to breathe in on a daily basis. So I'm super happy and excited to announce our recent partnership with Vitruvi, a brand that creates beautiful diffusers and non-toxic essential oils naturally and safely scenting your space. Unlike most diffusers, Vitruvi diffusers are crafted using the highest quality porcelain. They're gorgeous, and they double as sophisticated pieces of decor in your home. Vitruvi also blends unique aromas to help you set the mood as well. So I'm really excited that they're offering fullest listeners and readers 20% off. All you have to do is go to their website and use code THEFULLEST at checkout and you get your 20% off for first time order. So let me know what you think, check them out. I'm really, really passionate about using aromatherapy when you're stressed out, when you're feeling bummed or just need something to light up your day. It's really, really powerful and it makes you just feel great. So let me know what you think, 20% off using code THEFULLEST. I'm really excited to be offering this to you guys. Thanks so much.